Coffee Break, where Helena comes to talk. Welcome into Coffee Break. I'm Troy Shockley. Thanks for hanging out with us today. I do sure appreciate that. And we're joined by some of the good folks from Inner Mountain this morning. We've got in uh, Kim Gardner. She's the clinical director out there. And we're also chatting with Ryan McMurdo. She's an occupational therapist. She's been on the show before. So we're going we're gonna to let Ryan kind of kick it off. She's the pro. But uh, thanks for stopping in. It was kind of short notice. The way things worked out, we, we had some wires crossed, but we made it work. And uh, Ryan, can you introduce yourself to folks just if they haven't heard you before let them know who you are and, and, and what it is that you do. Sure. Thanks, Troy, for having uh, having me back. I guess it wasn't too awful last time. No, so. <laughs> no, you were great. Oh, thank you. Happy to be here again. So um, as you said, I'm Ryan McMurdo, and I am an occupational therapist at Intermountain, one of our team of five amazing OTs, um, four OTs and one CODA. And what we do there is work with children with a broad range of different abilities ranging from birth all the way up through adolescence and even working with um, young adults occasionally um yeah, so I can dive for, deeper yeah so for <laughs> occupational therapy yeah. i mean what does that mean for your for your day-to-day what is it that you do when you go to work oh it's it's such a broad spectrum really because we look at occupation as whatever is meaningful to someone um when we think about occupation we often think about work Mm-hmm. which is important to an adult, of course. Um, but an occupation to a child may look like playing, which is how children learn, of course. It might look like participating in dressing and grooming and being able to be successful in their academic environment. So we look at these broad range of everyday life skills and see where we can facilitate kids living their best life and um, helping parents and the family unit and the schools as well. Yeah, we were chatting right before the show started about, you know, I said, well, they named this occupational therapy wrong because it's not just job training. And you gave me the quick Jeopardy history lesson, <laughs> lesson on that thing. That, that's interesting. Sure. So, um, yes, I had to double double check myself to make sure I wasn't uh, <laughs> I wasn't telling. We make things up in the morning all the time. It's fine. Uh, one of the places that occupational therapy kind of stemmed from was during the World War II um, movement, and a lot of these soldiers were becoming rehabilitated after being in the war, or even after being injured um, during the war. And occupational therapists were helping them to not just get jobs again and rehabilitation skills, but to fill their time with meaningful occupations, again, if Mm. you will, such as arts and crafts and doing things with their hands, which when you're active and doing something that you're passionate about, it helps the brain and the mind relax and you're not having such negative thoughts or wandering. And it was really healing they found on a lot of levels. Yeah. Super interesting. Ryan McMurdo with us this morning from Inner Mountain. And so every day for you has to be pretty different. I mean, how many kiddos do you work with out there? I see about 20 children right now on my caseload. Um, And we are looking for new clients. So I have some openings. Um, If anyone in the community is interested, please reach out to Inner Mountain and we can help you start that process of seeing if your kiddo would qualify for OT services. Yeah. So so what does that look like for a kid? I mean, we've already hit on that. Obviously, this is very individualized. Certainly. But to give people an idea of what, what are we talking about here? Well, I see kids. Recently, I've been seeing a lot of children that have feeding difficulties. So our speech therapist colleagues also work with these kids quite often and look at their oral motor skills, their ability to chew, their ability to use their tongue to lateralize that food. Um, So I'm seeing a lot of picky eaters right now, and that's kind of the term that we hear that parents often use, but we dive a little bit deeper 
and try to pick out the patterns. Are these certain texture aversions? Some kids even have specific color aversions. And we really see how we can do food chaining, we call it, where we take a preferred and build upon that and try to increase their diet. And um, this is important, again, for the whole family unit, for these kids participating in yeah. mealtime. Um, so that's been one very small domain that um, I'm seeing a okay. lot of clients come in to address those skills lately. That's interesting. And and it may be something, I mean, I, I think a lot of folks that have uh, kiddos with developmental disabilities or things like that, they understand there's going to be issues, but there might not, it might be not, get my words straight here, it might not be, something that broad i mean it might be just like you said it might just be a, a food thing so parents are going but but my kid's good in school my kid mm -hmm. has friends my kid that doesn't i guess in this case matter right i mean it's not it's not that broad sure and, and it can be i mean we look at the physical domain so if these children are having trouble in school with posture we might look at posture and stability building more balance we might look at how they hold their pencil and how they write. That's something mm -hmm. that occupational therapists really traditionally do in the school setting. But we also look at the mental health side of things too. How are children doing with emotional regulation, behavioral regulation, and how is that affecting their participation in everyday life? Yeah. Ryan McMurdo is with us. She's with Inner Mountain. We're talking occupational therapy and uh, specifically occupational therapy for kiddos because th there is occupational therapy for adults as well it's just not what you do certainly yes um in the adult domain we're often looking at people who have had hand injuries shoulder injuries things like that and we're helping them to work on their job skills um to get back to work often things mm -hmm. like that or if they're a mother caring for their children how can we address the way that they hold their baby differently yeah um yeah. well and, and this is i mean my assumption is you did not train in school on how to be an occupational therapist during a pandemic <laughs> I mean, this must have changed because this is so interactive, close in-person work. It must have changed what and how you do what you do. It has to some degree. I think especially when we're working on those social skills, we're teaching a whole new set of norms these days of what is normal, what is appropriate. Um, and we're also doing virtual therapy. When we see a lot of our kids that have ended up in quarantine situations, they're not able to come into the clinic. We've been able to utilize Zoom and other mediums to work with the kids still virtually. And that's been really nice to learn that new set of um, technological applications. Yeah. It's certainly not something I was really trained right. in. but right. So working on skills like balance and coordination, mm -hmm. my assumption is that's more common than what people probably realize. Sure. Um, doing that virtually has actually been rather interesting because when they're in the home, you have to use what's in the home. Mm -hmm. So you get to be really creative. And I think that's when we start to see the carryover of what we do in the clinic and how parents and caregivers can practice that in their own setting. So we might take the couch cushions and stack them up high and have the kids reaching for a toy outside of their base of support and having to come back to that, that midline yeah. and working the core. Um, it's just one example. We build a lot of obstacle courses and <laughs> do all so that. But of that kind of makes it fun too, right? Sure. I mean, so, so there is that element to it. And uh, this is not just working on that specific skill, right? I mean, it has to boost like self confidence and esteem. You know, when kids are able to achieve these various skills that they may have struggled with, that makes them in their mind different, right? Like I'm, sure. I'm broken. I'm not doing this correctly. I mean, it has to result in a, a mental boost as well. Oh, it's amazing to see these kids jump over some hurdles that um, 
and they're meeting these developmental milestones that other kids may have already met and it's it's awesome to see their small successes and like you mentioned before we do disguise it in play we're kind of sneaky yeah. about that yeah. so we try Hiding to make it the really vegetables fun <laughs> and the, I, I get how you're doing it yeah yeah but it just i mean all of this has to lead to a more confident kid oh and definitely it's got to be great for you to see that just to see not not just the physical skill now has been achieved or now it you know mm. that they can do this better now but just that mental aspect has to be a pretty neat thing. Oh, it's awesome. It really is. And I think that really speaks to the importance of early intervention and getting treatment as soon as we notice that a kiddo might be um, having some differences, not meeting those developmental milestones quite as quickly as their peers. Um, and if you have any concerns, I would speak to, um, I'd tell a parent to speak to their pediatrician and then that's how they would get a referral, a prescription to come in for an OT evaluation and we okay. can take a closer look. Yeah, and you, you're really good at this, Ryan, because that was the next couple things I was going to ask. <laughs> so the, the first was, you know, the earlier the better, right? Like, don't oh, sure. keep putting this off. If, if you see a problem, let, let's do something about it. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I think a lot of times parents don't necessarily notice those differences until a child is in the school setting and they're mm -hmm. um, closer to their peers. So... If, you, if they do catch things in early intervention, it, it shows, the research shows that it makes a huge difference and has lifelong impacts. So we really encourage working within the, within the community and with those pediatricians to see those kids that might benefit from services early on. So how do parents know then? Because like you said, sometimes they maybe not even notice. It's because that's normal for them, right? Sure. So, and, and so asking like for, for signs might not be, because it's, there's so many potential issues that we're dealing with here, but mm -hmm. what do pe parents need to watch for? How do they know that something's just not quite right? Their kiddo is struggling with something. I think one of the um, early indicators is uh, if a child doesn't crawl, if we're not seeing that weight bearing through the hands, if we're not seeing that reciprocal movement pattern of crawling, then that can really lead to a lot of deficits with the fine motor skills, mm -hmm. with the ability of the hands to work properly. So that can be a big indicator um, that something might be a little bit atypical. Um, other things, I mean, we have access to the internet and checking in on those developmental milestones. What range should my child be able to eat these certain foods within? Should they be able to do buttons on their clothes? Should they be able to put their shirt on over their head independently? So just checking in with those certain things. And of course, it's a big range. And I want to encourage parents not to be fearful or scared. Right. Every kid is so different. But if they're noticing some patterns, um, it might be good just to have a professional see what's going on through another lens yeah well and that's i mean you touch on it there i mean this is nothing to be scared of nothing to feel shame over i mean mm -hmm. this is a skill that needs to be learned just like anything else so it's okay to reach out and say it's not working can i get help certainly and it takes a village right to have one more uh one more person on your team i think uh, anyone could kind of appreciate yeah so how do they you, you mentioned it how, how do they do that if parents are going yeah i think this is me i think this is my kiddo let's let's get working on this. What do they do? Can they just call you or do they have to go through their doctor? They can certainly call and reach out to Intermountain first okay. and we can help them um, through the process. And the process will be going to their pediatrician and letting them know their concerns and then getting a prescription or referral um, so that we can do an evaluation. We need that before we can just initiate treatment. Right. Mm -hmm. So you're looking for patients and apparently you're, you're looking for more occupational therapists out there. <laughs> so if there's somebody yes. out there, if you're out of Carroll or you're somewhere, you're listening going, I, I, I could do that. Give them a call oh. because they're fantastic people to work for. Who wouldn't want to work with Ryan? Oh, thank you, Troy. <laughs> We've been chatting with Ryan McMurdo. She's uh, out at Inner Mountain. And we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back with more. 
I just wanted to step away from the show for a few seconds to tell you that if you miss an episode, you can always catch up. We're on iTunes, so find our show there or swing by coffeebreak959.podbean.com. Local and area events, city, state, and national officials, your neighbors doing incredible things. We talk to them all on Coffee Break, where Helena comes to talk. In today's always-on world, your business demands a simpler approach to network security. At Blackfoot Communications, we deliver state-of-the-art security solutions from the perimeter to endpoint devices and remote data backup for businesses across Montana. Ensure your company's network is online all the time. For more information, visit goblackfoot.com security. Welcome back in. This is Coffee Break, and I'm Troy Shockley. Thanks so much for hanging out with us this morning. We're talking with some of the good folks out at Inner Mountain. I talked with Ryan McMurdo in the first portion of the show. She's an occupational therapist out there. And we're finishing out talking with Kim Gardner. She's the clinical director at Inner Mountain. So, Kim, thanks for uh, thanks for coming in, and thanks for hanging out and waiting to, sure. to back clean up yeah. for us. Nice to see you again. Thank yeah. you. Uh, so maybe uh, just to start off kind of the same thing, just uh, you know, introduce yourself to listeners, let them know what it is you do. Sure. So I'm uh, Kim Gardner, and I am one of three actual clinical directors at Intermountain, and my responsibilities are about all of the community-based services uh, that we provide in the local communities here and across the state. We have several communities we work in. So, so what does that mean day-to-day? What, so, what do you do when you get in that office? Oh, nobody ever asked me that. <laughs> uh, so, um, so I have clinical oversight, which means treatment focus and how do we take care of kids with mental health issues. Um, we have a psychiatry clinic that does medication evaluation management for if kids need medication. And you've just heard from Ryan that we do occupational therapy. We also have several outpatient therapists that focus and their expertise is on children and teens and families. And we have a substance use outpatient program for teens and adolescents and young adults as well. And case management services. So uh, those are experts in your local community that know where to go when you need something. Yeah, it's a pretty wide array of services. Yeah, we work with the family treatment court and the hospital and the health clinic. And yep. Of course, you know, I ask what you do day to day. That answer (laughs) now is different than it was last January, right? I mean, everything looks different now, and the the world changed for all of us. And I think sometimes we don't think about you know just how much it changed for kids. Right. Um, You know, especially when and where they've kind of closed schools you know here at least in montana most if not all schools are at least partially open right but there's some other areas where schools are still closed um and school is i was going to say it's it's a big part of kids world but it is kind of the entirety of kids worlds in, in many cases isn't it yeah well we're all social beings and having those um, healthy relationships and connections and feeling a part of something and the day-to-day interactions is really critical to healthy uh, psychological development and just healthy development socially so very very important and kids have a different social world now so less less transitions less interactions yeah i was reading a little bit uh lately uh about las vegas and clark county clark county the fifth largest uh, school district in the country and they actually have pretty significant spikes in covid cases there right now yeah. but they're kind of in a rush to figure out how do we reopen schools because over the the last nine months uh, that district has had 18 suicides um, and i would guess that las vegas is not some sort of blip on the radar you know i mean it, this has to be a, a problem right now when we talk about mental health and even getting to that extent for kids 
That's true. And as we all know that Montana always has ranked top or second in the nation for the number of suicides for kids and adults. And so our community has several coalitions and people that get together to make sure that uh, families know and kids know about resources available to them and what to do if their feelings really tank or they just get stuck in negativity or feeling uh, disconnected and uh, not a part of something meaningful, which is a huge risk right now because they're not connected to a lot of activities that they grew up with and are used to. Yeah, I there was um, it, it was a hard you know it was a pretty in depth story, a lot of statistics and, and and very difficult to read honestly. But you know, it, one boy leaving behind a note saying, "I have nothing to look forward to." I mean that that's sort of the space that we've put a lot of kids in, and it's it's it, it's tragic. And and I just wonder are are we seeing because sort of nationwide the CDC did release a report saying we've seen a pretty significant spike in emergency room visits by kids with mental health issues um and and it's hard to you know we're not hardly studying this right now you know studies come out years after right because it's hard to you know attribute something to what's actually happening right now but it makes sense right i mean are we seeing that in our community in our, in our state are we are we seeing these same kind of problems we are seeing that in our state and definitely in our community as well And so what we're trying to do with our other community partners is to make sure that there's information everywhere and that there's all kinds of trainings that any person can take. So, for example, there's a Lewis and Clark County Suicide Prevention Coalition, and they sponsor trainings like QPR, which is um, question, persuade, and refer, just like any person can do that, any neighbor, any parent, and all the way to another program called ASSIST, which is a higher level of intervention, and all the schools teach that, so that kids, wherever they uh, are, they are hopefully going to be exposed to some adult who knows what to do if they catch those feelings of despair and hopelessness or just chronic sadness, and, and they're unplugging, they can't they can't make a plan and they don't have a hope for the future. So we can catch that and intervene early and then connect them with therapists and people who know what to do. Yeah. Kim Gardner is a clinical director out at Intermountain. And uh, I guess a lot of it goes back to kind of uh, just social interaction, right? I mean, because people, you know, we're going, well, you know, they can learn. It's harder, but they can learn the same things through Zoom. They can, But it's that social aspect because at some point you get tired of seeing your mom and dad and your brother and your dog. Like every every day right yeah a lot of togetherness and cabin fever so yeah we are um really trying to impress with parents and caregivers of all ages whoever they are that it's very important to role model um good mental health coping and anxiety skills to kids and and to also reduce the amount of exposure that kids have to conflict or or um, topics that bring about despair and to focus on the here and now and to make healthy plans for today or next week or just this summer, but to keep instilling that there, this will pass, there will be something different, the future will come. Yeah, yeah, I mean, because kids sort of have been forced to, to grow up pretty fast during this in, in a lot of ways, especially the kiddos where mom and dad are working. Like literally these kids are on their own now. You, you got to get up by yourself. Yeah. You got to get to school. You got to make your own meals. You got, you know, parents might not be getting home in, until dinner time. These kids are all of a sudden almost in charge of a household. 
Right, and that's where it's really important to have a very structured and reliable routine so that every day we know exactly what we're doing and we're prepared. And that's a good life skill for kids, but it used to be just a part of their daily life by attending school, and now parents have to set up that structure and that organization to make sure that things happen, and they have to check in sooner if they're not working from home, which is a whole new dynamic and can be very challenging mm-hmm. also. Yeah. They're working from home while their kids are in the dining room on online school. It's a very challenging dynamic. So Yeah. Kim Garner is the clinical director at Inner Mountain. We're chatting with her on Coffee Break this morning, and uh, like we mentioned, at least here in Montana, we've got um, many districts are at least you know two or three days of week uh, of school, much better than what we saw at the end of last year, where it was just there was no school. Um, but there are still kids struggling, of course. What and you've touched on some of it, but what can uh, parents or guardians do? I mean, is it just being a little bit more intentional, being a little bit more proactive? Yes, it's that, and it's being very um, structured and also purposeful. So a lot of times parents didn't have to manage for, like, school food or the structure of the day or what hour we're doing any single thing. And so planning ahead and also engaging the child to plan ahead with you so that they they understand that. One of the things that we're seeing as kids do go back, and some have tried online and have gone back to the partial weeks here locally, um, is that they are not used to transition. So that's a huge mm-hmm. life skill of kids being able to shift the activity and say, okay, th- uh, in 10 minutes we're going to the gym or in 10 minutes we're going to open our math books. And so learning to make those transitions is a huge life skill and, and they haven't had as many opportunities to learn those. So that's important to make sure that parents are honoring that and checking in with their kids during the day. And then also just validating feelings. So some uh, times we're prone to wanting to help kids just feel better. And really, if we can just attune to the moment and affirm and say, this is hard for me too. And we are going to get through this. And I've never been through a pandemic either, but we're learning every day and we're going to be okay. And just staying more connected and more purposeful in our conversations and affirming our, our own adult anxiety and concerns without overdoing it, without having kids right, worry about the right. adults. Yeah, and, uh, you know, when, when you talk about affirmation, that brings to my my wife is way smarter than I am. And one thing that she talks about <laughs> is it's okay to feel your feelings, you know, because so many times – you know, there, there's that natural inclination where you said, we want to fix things. It's, well, you shouldn't be upset at that. And here's why, you know, and we're not going at it that way, but that's how it comes across is, well, don't be upset. Don't be angry because, you know, she says, you know, it's okay to be angry, but then let's move through that. And let's, so, so an affirmation of it's okay to feel a feeling as well is, is important, I think. Yes, it, yes, it is. And also to role model, like when parents are frustrated or anxious or nervous or worried, to affirm that, acknowledge that, but then role model how to handle that. Sometimes it's just simple mindfulness or it's taking a walk outside or having a nutritious meal and getting enough sleep yeah. um, helps with all that. So what do, what do parents, what do guardians, friends, family, what are warning signs? What do we need to look for if there are starting to be some severe mental distress some because so many times it feels like you know you, you talk to parents after the fact and they say I, I, there was nothing i didn't see anything and sometimes i guess maybe that's true but maybe it's just we didn't know what to look for right so one of the things that we notice is just a change in attitude or behavior so kids are more sluggish or they're more wound up and anxious about things or um, they they might just, after so long of being disconnected, stay disconnected and not want to engage with things that they, or people that they used to enjoy being with. 
they sometimes have this also reduced feeling of anticipation. So a sign of good mental health in life is that we have hope and we're looking forward to things and we have projects that we like to do and we want to learn new things and do more things. And that's sort of fading or waning. And they're not uh, talking about looking forward to events or being with people. Sometimes we'll see some fairly harsh self-assessment, like um, I'm worthless or I, I just... Um, don't want to be with anybody anymore. I'd rather be alone when that, that's not their typical uh, presentation. So anything that is a shift in the way that they understand themselves or the way that they're communicating. Yeah, it sometimes maybe interpreted as just moody teenager, but I guess if it right. continues and it's it prolonged. Persists. Yeah, it, it, and it's not an easy discussion to have that we're, we're having this morning. It, it's certainly not necessarily an enjoyable conversation, but it, but it's an important conversation. And so... We've got just about, uh, I guess, about a minute and a half left, Kim. If if people are seeing the, if they're going, I'm seeing that, like actively right now, it's happening. What then is step one? Like, what do they do? Who do they call? Well, you can always call Intermountain, and there are other um, local child serving agencies as well, mental health or therapists, um, and get an assessment right away. If you cannot get into anybody, um, always take your child to the ER. And uh, what we've seen is that sometimes once the youngster pulls into the ER parking lot, they suddenly feel better. Yeah, um, yeah. But so the parent needs to relay about what has happened and what, what has been persisting um, and be evaluated by a professional and then follow that professional's advice going forward. Yeah. And I guess there's always that fear of what if I'm wrong, right? right. Like what if they are just being moody? You know, like I, I guess as a non-professional, my answer would be, well, what if you're right? Exactly. Um, but you're the professional. So, I mean, yeah. what, there certainly is that fear of what, what if I'm wrong? What's my kid going to think? What, I mean, I, I guess what would be your response to that? I would say that your youngster would feel um, aware and uh, conscious that you cared enough to take it seriously and that you always will. And so if you're wrong, you're wrong. Um, have a good day. But if you're right, then you did the right thing. Yeah. So always communicating. I'm doing this because I care about you and I'm not really sure what to do. I'm a little worried and I feel overwhelmed too. So we're going to check this out and I'm with you every step of the way. Yeah. The most difficult question I usually ask him is, uh, what's your phone number? If people want to get a hold of you. Sure. Intermountain is 442-7920. And um, when when you call us, we'll make sure that you get in right away. Okay. We were going to swing back around to Ryan, but uh, you know what? I My my poor uh, time planning there. We ran out of time, but uh, it was an important conversation. So, uh, Kim, thanks so much for taking time. Thank you. Thanks for And uh, Ryan, thanks so much for coming in this morning. We are all out of time here on Coffee Break, but we will swing back around same time tomorrow morning. I'm Troy Shockley, and that's it for Coffee Break today. Be sure to check us out on iTunes. Head on over. Give us a review there. That's always much appreciated. Or swing by coffeebreak959.podbean.com. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you back here tomorrow.